Indeed, the example of Isa salam near Allah is like that of Adam. As I mentioned earlier, these verses were revealed in the context of a particular incident. When a group of Christians had visited the Prophet ﷺ from the area of Najran. When they heard that there was a man claiming to be a messenger, they came to visit him, they came to speak to him, they came to see what he had to say, because they were waiting for the final messenger. But when they came and spoke to him, there was one thing that they did not like. And what was that? That Isa salam was a prophet, was a human being, and they believed that he was the son of God. Why did they not like this truth? Why? Because their belief that Isa salam is the son of God is you can say the basis, the foundation of the religion that they have made. How? That they believe he is the son of God, God sent him, he died for our sins and as a result we are forgiven. Okay? He died for our sins, he was crucified for our sake and because of that we are forgiven. Now if you eliminate this idea that no, Isa is not the son of God, he is a human being, then what happens? The whole building collapses. Correct? The whole religion collapses. So this was the main thing that turned them off. This was the main thing because of which they did not want to accept what Muhammad ﷺ was telling them. This is just like the Yahud. What was the one thing because of which they rejected the truth? That one thing, that he is an Arab. And we're not going to come under an Arab prophet. Because we are better. We are the Israelites. We are better than Arabs. They are unlettered. They are illiterates. They have never had prophets. We are the children of the prophets. We are high in our status, in our lineage. We cannot come under him. So as a result, they rejected the truth. So likewise, the Christians of Najran, even they rejected the truth, despite having recognized it. Why? Because of this one thing. They did not want to give up their belief in their assumption that he was the son of God. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear to the people that why would you believe that he is the son of God? He is not the son of God. One of the things that led people to believing in this, that he was the son of God, was what? That he was born without a father. If he did not have a father, that means that he was the son of God. That na'udhu billah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was his father. Now, imagining it or thinking about it even is something that shakes you up from inside. That how could a person ever imagine that Allah would have a human wife and he would have a son? Like, how could you even think about that? This is something that's ridiculous. I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the creator of the human beings. How is it ever possible that a son would be born of a human mother and a godfather. It's not possible. This is something that is illogical, that does not make sense. And just thinking about it, like it shakes you. You can't even think about something like that. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Maryam, in very severe words, that لَقَدْ جِئْتُمْ شَيْئًا إِدَّ You have come with an atrocious thing. You say that God has a son, you've said something atrocious. 
تَكَادُ السَّمَاوَاتُ يَتَفَطَّرْنَ مِنْهُ The heavens would almost rupture because of this thing that you've said. And the mountains would collapse and the earth would be shaken up. You have said something atrocious. God does not have a son. He is God. He is different. A human being would have a human child. How can God have a human son? It's not possible. And He is above the need of having God. If you think about it, creation, whether it is you know human beings or animals or birds or fish, why do they procreate? What have you studied in biology? Why do animals have children? What's the reason? Survive. To survive. Because if they don't have children, they're not going to survive. Now Allah, He is above that need. He is Al-Hay Al-Qayyum. He doesn't need to have children in order to survive. No. He has always been, He is, and He always will be. Likewise, people have children. Why? Because they feel incomplete without children. Right? If somebody is single, they're asked, when are you getting married? Because they're incomplete until they're married. When somebody is married, they're asked, when are you having children? Because they're incomplete until they have children. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above that. He does not need to have children. People need children so that they can look after them. They can take care of them. They can get pleasure. They can be happy. They're a source of comfort for them. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is far above that weakness. So, why is it difficult to understand? The people cannot understand. The main problem is they cannot understand how a human being could be born without a father. Right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this is nothing difficult for Allah to do. Inna mathala Isa, the example of Isa alayhi salam, in the Allah, in the sight of Allah, is kamathali Adam, is just like the example of Adam alayhi salam. What's the description of Adam alayhi salam? That khalaqahu min turab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created him from turab, from dust. Not from a father and a mother. Adam was created from what? From turab, from dust. ثُمَّ قَالَ لَهُ كُنْ And then Allah said to him, Be, فَيَكُونْ And he was. So if Allah can create Adam without a father and a mother, can he not create Isa without a father? Yes, he can. If you think about it, Adam was born without a father and a mother. Hawa was created without a mother. Because her origin was from who? From Adam So you could say that he was like her father. Isa salam, on the other hand was born without a father. Okay? And the rest of the people are born from father and mother. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do anything. He can do whatever He wants. If He can create Adam without parents, He can create Isa without a father. In the mathala Isa in the Allahi kamathali Adam. Khalaqahu min turab, thumma qala lahu kun fayakun. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do whatever He wants. He uses means to do what He wants to do, but He can also do whatever He wants to do without the use of means, without the use of causes. Okay? If we want to do something, there has to be a cause and then there will be an effect. Right? We have to use some means in order to accomplish something in order to have a result. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yes, He uses means as well. That's how He does things. However, He is not limited to those means. Okay? His power is not limited. 
in that capacity. No, he can do with means and also without means. This is why he is God. If he was limited, then he would not be God. So, إِنْتَ مَثَلَ عِيسَى عِنْدَ اللَّهِ كَمَثَلِ آدَمَ خَلَقَهُ مِنْ تُرَابٍ ثُمَّ قَالَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ Allah subhanahu wa taala tells us الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ the truth is from your Lord meaning the truth that has been revealed over here that has been mentioned over here about the reality of Isa alaihissalam this is from your Lord فَلَا تَكُنْ then you don't be never be don't you dare be من المُمْتَرِين of those who doubt مُمْتَرِين is the plural of مُمْتَرِي and مُمْتَرِين is one who entertains doubts it's from امْتِرَاء from مِرِيَة and مِرِيَة it is to have doubts about a fact something is a reality but still you doubt it okay This is just like some food is halal. There is a halal certified label on it. Still you doubt. No, it's not halal. What if this is just a false label? What if they're just saying, you can't trust these people? Then okay, don't eat anything. Okay? Likewise, people doubt about what? Sometimes if parents, they get upset with their children, their children say, I wonder if they're really my parents. This is doubt about a reality. So Allah says, فَلَا تَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ This reality is from Allah. Don't be of those people who doubt. Now who is being addressed primarily in this ayah? فَلَا تَكُنْ You, single. The Prophet ﷺ. Was he in doubt? No, he wasn't in doubt. Through him, who is being addressed? We are being addressed. Because when we hear so many things all the time, one person says one thing, another group says another thing, then we're like, this is so confusing. Right? And we get confused. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, don't be confused. Don't be in confusion. People are confused, but you should not be in confusion after you have read these verses. After you have come to know of the truth. فَمَنْ حَاجَّكَ فِيهِ Then whoever argues with you concerning it. حَاجَّكَ from مُحَاجَّ حَاجِيم جِيم The word حُجَّ means argument. And مُحَاجَّ is to try to overcome another in argument. How? By using proofs. By using evidences against him. So whoever argues with you using proofs and evidences, okay? whoever disputes with you, Fihi concerning it, meaning concerning the truth that Allah has revealed about Isa alayhi salam. Mim ba'di, after maja'aka, that has come to you. What has come to you? Min al-ilm, knowledge. Meaning after knowledge has come to you, and you are sure of the truth of Isa alayhi salam. If anyone argues with you, meaning they still don't accept, they still don't listen, they still don't believe, then what should you do? Then you should do mubahala. You should do mubahala. Meem ba alif ha lam tamabuta. What is mubahala? I'll talk about this soon. Now remember that when this group of the people from Najran, this group of Christians, when they came to the Prophet ﷺ, just because of this one reason, they didn't want to accept that Isa ﷺ was a human being, because of this they rejected Muhammad ﷺ. They did not accept him. Now, many times it happens that because of the ego of a person, Right? He doesn't accept the truth and as a result the truth gets hidden. It's covered up. And because of that people stay in confusion. Now, just because some people don't want to accept and they continue arguing with you, doesn't mean that the truth should be covered up and people should be left in confusion. No, the truth has to be made clear. So, the truth will be made clear. 
How will you make it clear? They don't want to accept. They don't want to change. So then you have to use some other means. And what will be that? That you, فَقُلْ Then you should say to them. Say to such people who don't accept the truth, that تَعَالَوْ Come. تَعَالَوْ is from the root letters عَيْن لَمْ وَعُلُوب means height. And تَعَالَوْ is to call someone to a height. So in other words, it is to call someone to an important purpose. تَعَالَوْ is for plural. تَعَال is for singular. تَعَالَيَا is for dual. So تَعَالَوْ All of you come. Come along. نَدْعُوا We will call from dua. Okay, from da'a, yad'u du'a, dal ain wa'u. We will call abna'ana our sons. And we refers to who? The Muslims, the Prophet ﷺ. We're going to call our sons. Okay? And we is you and us. So the Christians are being told that you and us, meaning the Prophet ﷺ, all of us together, we will call abna'ana our sons, abna, plural of ibn, akum and your sons. So you call your children, I will call my children. وَنِسَاءَنَا وَنِسَاءَكُمْ I will call my women and you call your women. وَأَنفُسَنَا وَأَنفُسَكُمْ And ourselves and yourselves. Meaning, we will come ourselves as well. So after we have gathered up our families, whether it is our children or our spouses or our daughters or whoever, get them together in one plane, okay, in one place, all of us, you with your family and myself with my family. When we are all together, ثُمَّ نَبْتَحِلْ Then we pray humbly. To who? To who? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. نَبْتَحِلْ From بَهَا لَام بَهَا is basically to curse someone. What does it mean? To curse someone. And ibtahala or ibtihal is to pray to make dua with humility. Okay, it's basically mubalagha fit dua. It is to pray intensely, you know, with a lot of humility, pray again and again, repeating the words, you know, with pauses. This is just like in the month of Ramadan, if you go to a masjid and in the witr prayer, how do they make dua? A long dua in which people are crying and they're repeating and they're making one dua after the other. So this is ibtiyal. This is mubalagha fit dua. Okay? But in particular, this word is specifically used for invoking curse on one another. For invoking curse on who? On one another. So, ثُمَّ نَبْتَهِلْ We will beg Allah, we will humbly pray to Him to curse who? The one who is a liar. ثُمَّ نَبْتَهِلْ فَنَجْعَلْ Then we will place, meaning we will ask Allah to put لَعْنَةَ Allah, The curse of Allah upon who? Upon who? Alal kathibin. Upon the liars. Let's get together. You call your family, I will call my family. We will pray to Allah and we will ask Him to place His curse on who? Those who are lying. Meaning those who recognize the truth, yet they're not accepting it. Those who are upon falsehood. So in other words... When the matter has been made confusing, then we will turn to Allah to clarify the truth, to show the truth, to make it obvious. And how will that be? That those who are upon the falsehood, they be punished. Now, did this happen? Yes. The Prophet ﷺ, he asked the people of Najran to come forth. 
He challenged them, come forth, let's invoke the curse of Allah on the liars. And when they were asked to come, the time was fixed, the Prophet ﷺ showed up with who? With Fatima, his daughter, with Ali, his son-in-law, and his two grandsons, Hassan and Hussein. He came with his family. And he came out in the open. But when the Christians, they saw that, they got a little scared. They got a little taken aback that he is very serious. And they asked for some time. That please, let's delay this. Let us discuss amongst ourselves and we will get back to you. So they went to one of their leaders and they discussed the matter with him. And he told them that, look, you know he is not a liar. If you want to remain on your religion, then don't you dare go and invoke curse upon yourselves. Because if you do so, you will be in trouble. If you want to remain on your religion, you don't want to accept his religion, then just make a deal with him. Meaning, go and surrender to him, accept him as your political leader, so that perhaps he will let you go. Accept your defeat, in other words. Say that we will remain upon our religion, but we will accept you as our leader. We will accept the Muslim government as our superiors, meaning we will surrender to them. And that's what they did. They came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, we're not going to invoke curse upon ourselves, upon those who lie. Rather, we're going to go back and we will accept your leadership and we will give you the jizya. So the Prophet ﷺ did not force them to invoke curse upon themselves. And Ibn Abbas he said that the Prophet ﷺ said, had they set out and performed the mutual cursing, they would have gone home and found neither possessions nor family. If they did that, they would have found neither their possessions nor their families on their return home. فَنَجْعَ اللَّعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْكَاذِبِينَ Allah says, إِنَّ هَذَا لَهُوَ الْقَصَصُ الْحَقِّ Indeed, all of this is surely the qasas that is al-haq, meaning it is a true narration. This is the true narration. And what is the message? What is the main lesson that we learn from this entire incident? The story of Isa alayhisam, the story of Zakariya alayhisam, the story of Maryam, that وَمَا مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ إِلَّا اللَّهِ that there is no God except Allah. There is no true deity except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everyone else is who? His servant. He is the only God and He can accomplish whatever He wants. He can do whatever He wants. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ And indeed Allah لَهُوَ Aziz. Surely He is the mighty and He is Al-Hakim, the one who is wise. He is mighty in His kingdom able to execute his wish, able to execute his plan, and he is Al-Hakim, the one who is wise. فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا Then if they turn away, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ بِالْمُفْسِدِينَ Then indeed Allah is all-knowing of those who do fasad, of those who spread corruption, of those who indulge in sin, the agents of corruption. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about them. Now a person might say, well, if some people are not you know, right in their beliefs, in their faith, if they are holding on to falsehood, then why doesn't Allah just punish them? Do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder? Why is it that if someone would be on a wrong religion, yet Allah lets them, you know, be so successful in this world, they have whatever they want, why? Is it because they're right? No, they're not right. They are still wrong. 
Allah says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ بِالْمُفْسِدِينَ Allah knows about the facade they're doing. Allah knows. But Allah is just giving them time. Allah is Al-Haleem also, the one who is very forbearing, who doesn't punish the wrongdoer instantly, immediately. No, He gives him time. That perhaps he will repent. Perhaps he will realize. Perhaps he will come to the truth. So we have time until we die. But if we don't reform ourselves, we don't improve ourselves, then ultimately we are going back to Allah. And all of us, every single one of us is returning to Allah. And He is the judge. He is the king. He is the decision maker. So he is knowing of those people who do fasad. And every person knows himself. What kind of sin am I committing? If Allah is still letting me go, letting me off, it doesn't mean what I'm doing is okay. No. Allah knows what I'm doing. He's just giving me time. That perhaps I will repent. And if I don't, my loss. Listen to the recitation. إِنَّ مَثَلَ عِيسَى عِنْدَ اللَّهِ كَمَثَلِ آدَمْ خَلَقَهُ مِنْ تُرَابٍ ثُمَّ قَالَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ فَلَا تَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ فَمَنْ جَكَ فِيهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَكَ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ فَقُلْ تَعَالَوْا فَقُلْ تَعَالَوْا نَدْعُ أَبْنَاءَنَا وَأَبْنَاءَكُمْ وَنِسَاءَنَا وَنِسَاءَكُمْ وَأَنفُسَنَا وَأَنفُسَكُمْ ثُمَّ نَبْتَهِلْ ثُمَّ نَبْتَهِلْ فَنَجْعَلْ لَعْنَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْكَاذِبِينَ إِنَّ هَذَا لَهُوَ الْقَصَصُ الْحَقِّ وَمَا مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ بِالْمُفْسِدِينَ Assalamu alaikum We're thinking about ayah number 61 in which Allah is saying in which has been translated and I'm going to translate really quickly Basically, after we've discussed with you guys and you don't want to accept the truth, then let's call each other and call the la'na of Allah upon each other. To whomever is the liar, then the la'na of Allah will go upon. Basically, what this tells us is that after you've argued with some people and you've told them the truth and you try many, many times to argue with them, not to argue, but to actually get them to reason and to accept the truth for what it is, at some point you just have to take it up to Allah. There's nothing else you can do. You just have to let it go. There's something else also that uh, came to mind. It's the fact that it's very difficult for people to accept the truth. It's as if they have to give up on a lot of things in order for them to accept the truth. And that's a little bit scary. Basically what it means is that you're putting, you have to accept the fact that you're wrong. And a lot of people are just not able to do that. So there's a lesson from us for, for all of us to kind of take away from this. 
So accept the truth for what it is and put aside your kibber or whatever is in your heart and accept the truth for what it is because at the end of the day it's for your own good. That's what I've learned. Now you see the Christians of Najran, why was it difficult for them? Because it meant that whatever they were doing, whatever they were believing in, it was all false. It was like saying I was wrong. And saying I was wrong is very difficult. And yes, this was with regards to a very serious matter, with regards to the matter of faith, of religion. But many times we face this problem, you know, in small petty issues even, right? That I was wrong in saying this, or I was wrong in doing this, or I was wrong in going there. I was wrong in whatever. But we don't want to accept. Why? Because our ego comes in, right? So the person who does not accept his mistake, is not willing to accept the truth, then he only harms himself at the end of the day. Because each one of us is going to be held accountable. right? Each one of us is going to be individually questioned. We are answerable for ourselves, for our decisions. And those who do accept the truth, yes, this is a very, very big thing that they have done. You know, sometimes we hear the stories of converts and we're like, oh, mashallah, of course they should have accepted Islam. You know how hard it was for some people? It's very challenging. It is extremely difficult. So when someone has taken this big decision, probably the, in fact the biggest decision in their life, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what they have given up. Allah knows what a huge challenge they have overcome. And Allah is the one who rewards. This is why the one who accepts Islam, then he gets double reward. Isn't it so? All of his sins are forgiven. They're changed, they're converted into good deeds. Right? So Allah is the most generous in rewarding as well. Anything else you'd like to share? Yes, go ahead. Assalamualaikum. Um, I just want to share a story about my one of my sister's friends who actually converted and she's in university and right now she, my sister Thamia was just uh, mentioning how hard it is for some of these people to you know, accept what the truth is and we don't realize how hard it is because we're alhamdulillah you know, born Muslims and um, she was actually a Hindu and um, her parents knew that you know, she liked practicing certain uh, rituals in Islam but um, they didn't know how serious she was becoming. And, um, you know, they tried to sort of stop her from this. And, you know, she'd go practice vudu and they'd actually, like, just lock the bathroom just so she doesn't have this ability to make vudu. And she would, like, make vudu from, like, the soil. And not just that, there was a moment when there was a little bit of a, like, a gathering. And she wore the hijab and she was wearing an abaya. And all of a sudden, it was a public place. And she sort of hit behind, um, you could say, a pillar, and she started crying. And my sister, who's a friend, you know, she went up and asked her why. She's like, oh, my cousin's here, and she doesn't know that I'm like this. And there's another friend of hers who was interested in Islam, and it wasn't until recently, which was after three years of her conversion, that she came out and said, you know, I'm a Muslim. So, you know, it's hard for them, but we don't really realize it because... We don't see everything. So there are many external challenges, but there are also internal challenges, right? That you have to fight against yourself and also the people who are around you to accept the truth that you want to live. Okay. 
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته